Hello, everybody. Time for tips, topics, issues, and positions. Bob Oxley here, and uh, time for another episode. And uh, this is going to be interesting because we're going to talk about the government shutdown and uh, also the wall. All right. Uh, and uh, I fortunately, uh, if you remember about 30 days ago, uh, we were in the middle of a government shutdown. And I invited two experts to say, come in and, and talk about what the ramifications were uh, short term and long term as far as the shutdown was concerned. And uh, the shutdown was still ongoing when they left. And I said, why don't we get back together in about 30 days and find out where we're at? And so that's what we're doing. And so I've invited back uh, Professor Joe Green and and uh, Dr. Uh, Chip McLeod, who is the uh, chair for the uh, History and Political Science Department here at Dixie State University. So, gentlemen, welcome back. Hi, Bob. It's Hello, been 30 Bob. days. Okay, first of all, the uh, government shutdown ended. The president said, okay, enough's enough. And uh, I, I believe we anticipated the reason when we were here 30 days ago. And that was? Uh President Trump got up, uh, was concerned that uh, the inspection officers at the airport, particularly Guardia in New York, that planes were backing up because they didn't have enough inspectors in the end. And uh, so it was going bad. His poll numbers were going down. Uh, I think Chip and I both predicted that something like that would happen because some of these federal agencies actually are necessary to make things keep going and so uh, but at least he can now tell the truth about a first because uh, indeed it was the longest government shutdown that nice feather in his cap <laughs> wow if you want to call it that i mean there was a lot of upset people that were not getting paid and a lot of uh, for instance the air traffic controllers were being told you will come to work without pay and a lot and, of and some some uh mm, minor but but noteworthy damage to the economy that we can't retrieve we can't get that back and that's what we were waiting to see like wh what is that going to be and we did see some <laughs> negative as a result fast forward here we are <clears throat> today uh the president uh, has uh first of all let me go back take a step back congress got together and bipartisan came up with a plan for the president to agree to as far as the wall was concerned, and it was a long-term for the fiscal uh, uh, monies available for a lot of programs. But what they came up with is uh, the, gov the gov president was asking for $5.7 billion for the wall, 2,000 miles worth of the wall. What the bipartisan group came together, uh, came up with a, a plan that uh, represented $1.3 or $1.4 billion dollars and um, 55 miles of fencing, <laughs> a little bit less than the 2,000 requested. Um, so I don't think they ever said we're going to do how, how long they, they said that the five, five billion was for. Uh, but it, but uh, he, all he would ever say about it was, I've talked to the border agents and the ICE people, and this is what they say they need, so this is how much. But uh, I don't know if they uh, – I think they backed off the idea that there would be a wall all the way along the border. But, That's what he was asking for, I think. Yeah. He wanted that. Well, that, that gets complicated because there, there are so many parts of 
the uh, fairly lengthy border between the U.S. and Mexico that, that you'd have a really hard time building a conventional wall and where would you put it and the, the terrains in question and whatnot. But I, I think by and large, Joe's correct. It, it was about the money and then we'll figure out where we're going to build whatever we think we need to build. He did say it was going to be in Texas, which right. is often really a problem because the uh, the crisis at the border that he's talking about, uh, other than drug dealers and uh, MS-13 gang members coming in, the primary big logistical problem they're having is people who come from uh, Central America and uh, instead of instead of trying to get away from the border control agents, they're here to declare asylum. So all they have to do under U.S. law is set foot on American mm -hmm. soil and they can ask for asylum, which means they get a hearing uh, and there's such a backup that it takes three years to get the hearing, which essentially means they're here in the United States and disappear, don't show up for their hearing. That, that's at least the, the story. So if you build a wall in Texas, you've got to build it in the Rio along the Rio Grande River, uh, and you can't build it in the floodplain of the Rio Grande River, it or it doesn't work. That is, you can't build it right on the border. You can in New Mexico and Arizona and California, but in Texas you can't. It means you have to, have to build it behind the border. That means if a family comes from Honduras, gets across the river, they get to stand on ground, the, the wall's still you know, 10 feet or 20 feet or 30 feet back, they get to declare asylum, uh, the, the wall doesn't help. The wall doesn't stop them. And, and that's just the beginning. There are problems like that all over the place. And, and uh, what, What's the name of the big canyon there at the Big Bend Canyon? I'm, I'm trying to recall. There are places there where it's <clears throat> 11 feet, 1,100 feet up on one side, 900 right. feet up on the other. You know, to, to build a wall means you build it up on top of the plateau there's the river way down there nobody's ever going to try to cross so it, it ultimately it's it's get the money and um if there were ever devils in details that's what this is about yeah. the one the, the the proposal that they put on president trump's desk from the congress uh had a lot of things built in uh, sophisticated uh, drones and and right. uh, all kinds of uh, uh, also, part of that 1.4 billion was for to um, uh, address the uh, conditions of the people being held. In other words, the cages themselves. They, for the very first time, uh, according to some people that review this kind of, the, this is the first time they they got so specific as far as the holding tanks and how they were going to be held and people being number of beds they'll find everything kind of and uh, based on what they had witnessed in observations and reports that just has transpired over the last year. Very interesting. The one point four. So. Uh, Congress puts this together. McConnell says, Mr. President, here it is. And it's been sitting around his desk for about two or three days. And as of this morning, the president has made a decision. And that is, is he going to sign it or not? Well, he, he had to sign it. Okay. Why did he have to sign it? Because uh, he's, run, he's running for re-election and he can't have another government shutdown. Um, his poll numbers went up after he gave the State of the Union uh, which was for, you know, uh, the kinds of speeches that President Trump gives uh, uh, fairly bipartisan in the way that he did it. He offered Democrats a lot of stuff that 
probably made a lot of Republicans really un, uncomfortable. But his poll numbers went up, it looked like, and uh, this, the, the, the strategy they have is he's going to look reasonable and they're going to try and make uh, the Democrats uh, uh, take on the message of the uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wing, uh, the Bernie Sanders wing of the party. They're going to try and turn the whole Democratic Party into those people, and they think that that uh, by painting them as extremists, they, they, they he'll look like a moderate. If he shut down the government again, he doesn't look like a moderate. He, he really had no choice. He didn't want to shut the government down again. That harmed him. It didn't didn't harm the Democrats. And, and now what we have is a situation where he, he's averted that the government's funded through September. And now, as we'll get to, I'm sure the rub is whether he's going to get away with declaring a national emergency. Right, which brings us to the next phase. So the president has signed the agreement, the $1.4 billion, which is a part of a total uh, government spending bill that takes us through the end of this fiscal year. Can I correct one thing? Go ahead. The bill passed the House last night, so it's only been on his desk. This oh, okay. It came over last night. So... Uh, so he's, but he was anticipating what was coming. Is that right? Yeah, because the Senate passed the language three days, two days ago, two okay. days ago, or yesterday morning or something. So the language is written, and when they write the language, they always have members, or usually have members of the administration there uh, trying to work out the language stuff so he knew what was in it. Uh, he thinks there's a lot of poison pills in it and, you know, bad things that he, but uh, the Freedom Caucus is going to complain about. Uh, Laura Ingram's going to say he's a traitor to, uh, uh, because of all that's that, that the Senate, but, um, anyway, he signed it this morning and then I gather I've been in class. He signed the declaration of an emergency. Is okay. That, which yeah. is the next thing I want right. to get to. Let's, let's put that right on the table. Um, uh, my understanding is it's going to, uh, represent, this is all in the last, uh, hour. I'm getting information in myself, is that it represents approximately $8 billion. He wanted 5.7. The bill that he just signed represents 1.4 with no wall provision per se, except from fencing. And now he has instituted a, a national emergency. I think he gets 50, 50 miles of wall. I think, uh, 50, Some, somewhere between 50 and 60, 55 maybe, but not much. Yeah. <laughs> Even with the national emergency monies, that, no, that, that just with that's, the bill. That's in the bill. Okay, but right. out not that's what triggered this off. He's yeah. he signed that bill because he wasn't going to hold up government spending. It was attached to a number of other things for the balance of this fiscal year. Now, well, he's he's doing a an end run, if you will, that that's sanctioned by. I'm sure everybody's looking into it now. A piece of legislation enacted in 1976. Um, that other presidents have uh, attempted to use, but then there's a whole line of stipulations as to whether he'll be allowed to do it. Congress can get involved. There are all kinds of ways to stop him. Uh, if there's a, a two-thirds majority um, fundamentally against it, then there's not a whole lot he can do. But uh, I thought it was a pure majority. That is, is all they need. No, it's got to be veto-proof. Oh, but... They can bring up a resolution under the under the law, right? Right. What we're talking, telling him he can't do it. What we're talking about is 
Congress being best positioned to sue if Congress has to. Yeah. Wow. And you, you need a veto-proof majority in this case for Congress to make a good case. And there are several ways they could approach a lawsuit. It's actually pretty complicated. Um, the House Republicans sued President Obama right. over the way he initiated uh, the Affordable Care Act. So one thing, Nancy Pelosi could just have the Democrats in the House as, as the House sue and say, uh, you're spending money. It's not being spent the way we appropriated it. You violated the law. The Supreme Court took that, took that case. So the courts took it. Well, in this instance, it, by him declaring a national emergency, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this was 1976, which you right. referred to, whereby Congress actually relinquished some of the powers that they had to the president so they could be responsive to national disasters. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, it's designed to take care of national disasters when uh, so, Congress can't act quickly and the president has to do, there's a fire, fires in California and you've got to get, we're running out of budget money because we've already fought a whole bunch of fires. We need more money. You and, can, it, and it's one of those laws that's, I guess, of necessity, ambiguous. I mean, it, it's it's going to be interpreted now depending on the reaction ultimately in Congress to Trump's declaring what he uh, regards as a national emergency. And, of course, a lot of the dialogue has to do very interestingly and importantly with, uh, do we really, is this a national emergency? Well, uh, yeah. some of the feedback that I received in the last 30 or 30 minutes is that uh, there's been already some pushback saying this is not a national emergency. We just had the all 13 agencies represented as far as potential threats to the United States and the caravan situation was way down the list as far as priorities. Well, again, this, this, uh, whatever else it is, it's Trumpian politics at the Trumpiest that that's his backs against the wall. He can't let his staunchest supporters down on this and that's why he's doing it. Wow. Uh, I know it's it's really uh, we're right on the bleeding edge right here. Things are just happening as we're talking here on the air, so our, our listeners understand this. But what have you heard thus far in the last sixty minutes? As far as where is this eight billion dollars coming from that he he's proclaiming he has? Uh, he said Mulvaney, his uh, uh, budget chief, uh, they started looking for this during the shutdown. You know because. Uh, this is, you know, they knew that they could see the handwriting on the wall. They're going to have to end the shutdown, which they did by, uh, doing a continuing resolution for three weeks. So the government was funded for three weeks while they negotiated this bill. And so he had his accountants, uh, and his lawyers looking through all of the appropriations to find money. And evidently, you know, there, there's lots of discretionary money in federal budgets, the way that Congress writes it for emergencies, that kind of thing. And Mulvaney's found $8 billion that, uh, that Trump says, uh, that President Trump says, I can use this to build my wall and what, what, whatever it else that he, that he wants to do with it. Uh, the, the members of Congress, including some Republicans, are going to uh, push back and say, we appropriated that, and the discretion was supposed to be for this kind of an area, not for the kind you're going to use it for. 
So uh, I, don't, I don't think he's going to have even uh, – I, I know he's not going to have a solid Republican majority. He's going to split the Republicans over this issue. And, and for this. anybody who's not following this blow-by-blow, minute-by-minute, the overwhelming majority of the money he thinks he's found that he can use is coming from defense. For the Department of Defense. They, they have a construction fund. The, <clears throat> the Corps of Engineers has construction money. They usually use it in emergencies or to help out a, a city or, or you know, some favored uh, entity that uh, build a canal or build a road or something like that. And, uh, and, and that's where people were looking all along. In fact, when people started inquiring about uh, this the little snafu, if Congress doesn't go along and he pulls something like this, where are you going to get the money? That's what came up first. And evidently, that's where he's going for it. Wow. Okay. So let me take it. You, you've already mentioned this, uh, Professor Green, about the Supreme Court. Let's say that the... Uh, the uh, Congress implements and saying, wait a minute, you can't do this. This is against the Constitution. And you mentioned about the 1976 law that gave some of those powers away. So it goes to the Supreme Court. What's the likelihood that the Supreme Court will say, Mr. President, you cannot do this? First thing that's going to happen is it's going to go to a federal district court, probably in California. Right. And that court's going to stop the president from moving the money around until the courts can decide if he can do it. Then it's, then it's going to take, a, it could take a couple of years. Uh, they could fast track it, but it could take a couple of years. Uh, and to, to go through the appeals process to get to uh, the court. And then the court has to decide what national emergency means and under what circumstances a president may declare it and under what circumstances he may not. If they decide to uh, take the case on on those broad grounds, they may decide to narrow the grounds on which they make a decision or something, but we won't know for a while. Well, the really interesting thing along with that, because the court process, as everybody understands, I'm pretty sure, could be long, drawn out. Um, first thing I would ask is, what is the president, president going to do should that happen? Because he's still got, once again, it seems like kind of a no-brainer, but you, you can't lose sight of the fact that this is uh, mostly political for him. Uh, if you had a candid conversation with him, I, I don't know whether he really believes there's some crisis at the border or whether this is a national emergency. He's kind of a politician <laughs> as, as, a, as a novice even, but this, once again, is the ultimate political hot potato for him and to imagine let's say joe's right he could very well be a two-year period of time where there's no money forthcoming for the wall it's and you, by signing the bill that's taking care of the financial side of the house we're going to no we're going to fund the government but not build a wall that could be just dragged right through the courts well again and and just to reiterate because i think it's that important that's two years year and a half whatever we're talking about when the people who are still hanging on to that promise from Trump that we're going to build a wall on the southern border, they're not getting their wall. So 2020 begins to look a little different, perhaps. Yeah, I would think so. But uh, politically, maybe he's thinking he wins both ways. If, if for some reason 
he could spend the $8 billion or part of the $8 billion, uh, and he's got one6 to start with now while he waits. Uh, then he can tell, then he can say, hey, look, in spite of all of the uh, pushback and Nancy Pelosi saying she wouldn't give me a dollar, I've built your wall. Mm-hmm. And if he can't, then he can go and talk about a do-nothing Congress and, uh, you know, I did everything I could, but and you've, it, you've seen what they've right, done to me right. kind and of a thing. Fire up his base to the point that they're so angry they vote for him anyway. I yeah. try to do the best possible. I try to do the right thing. They wouldn't thing. let me. They wouldn't let me. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. So you've got that uh, 31 to 33 percent, his base, no matter what he says or does, they're going to go along Trump, with it. Trump's beginning to look more Teflani than, than uh, Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then uh, if, you, if you match that, that's, that's what a lot of his supporters are really after is his trade and his immigration stuff. That's his populist base that 30 whatever percent it is that he that it, it's stays up, with it's him up all to 44 time. now yeah, again yeah but but the the increase the people who stayed with him dur- even during the shutdown or his base uh what he did in the state of the union is he he talked about green new deals and socialism and mm. uh and all of the all of this stuff we're going to do we're going to control drug prices and we can build uh better freeways and and uh, uh, that made him look he thinks moderate compared compared to who he's running against well to to the extent that those numbers have meaning and sometimes that's tough the the, the only point i was making was that that's what he sought to do with the um, state of the union and he went from i believe 37 back to something like 44 so that he he did what he wanted to do wow but so, Go ahead, Joe. The, the initial polling, I think you cited this to me this morning, is a uh, big majority of the American people, some what, 60%, 50-something percent? This morning, you mean? Do not yeah. like the idea of a national emergency. That's 66%. Right. As and of a this whole morning. bunch of Republicans don't like declaring a national and, emergency. And I don't have a number. Does it, did either of you two get a number on that side, the Republican side? Because I heard that there's some dissatisfaction in members well, of see, the Senate they, and the House. They're not talking. That, that, that hasn't changed. And a, a name or two or three will, will pop out occasionally, or, or you might uh, hear somebody quote that maybe there are a couple dozen who, who agree to say something negative uh, upon an agreement of anonymity or whatever, but nobody's saying much. Okay. But there's a provision in the uh, this, legisla- this 1976 legislation that's been used once that would allow uh, the Congress to, by a majority vote, to tell the president that he can't do this. If you can get a majority in both houses. Now, he could veto that. And that, and the, in that case, then you need two thirds to override. And this is the way we started about but the anti-veto, think, veto protection. Think about right. getting to fifty percent, fifty point one percent in the Senate is going to require some. All the Democrats will vote for it, but it's going to require some Republican votes. And I'll right. bet there are. I'll bet they're there. Right. I'll bet Ben Sass would 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 vote against. Would vote to put this down. He's a constitutionalist. Well, I'm guessing Romney might just because he doesn't like. President Trump very much. Ron Paul's talking too. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. Ron Paul's yeah. involved with this right. too. Gentlemen, I hate to tell you, I just got the high sign. Oh no! Believe it or not, I said this would fly by. So uh, 
It's exciting. I'm glad you came in. Things we our timing is perfect. We knew this two months a month in advance, didn't we? This was all going to happen on today. Uh, we're going to have to get back together. What do you think? Should we get get back together maybe in 30 you, days? Possibly. You, you run this show, no pun intended. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't have any connections with the White House. Says, Please hold off until the 15th so I get... We'll do whatever <laughs> you want. Yeah, we're, we're, we're right. at your beck and call. All right, everybody. I think I, I'm, I'm going to get a lot of positive input. So, yeah, bring those guys back. This is great. Uh, so, listen, uh, Professor Green and, and Dr. McLeod, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules coming back. And uh, just anticipate 30 days from now, find out what where we're at the next phase of this wonderful uh, scenario. Uh, we'll probably call it government shutdown slash the wall and whatever the new <laughs> new new verbiage that we're going to be using. There'll be something new by then. I would think so, the there'll, way things are there'll going. There'll be something here. new tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. That concludes tips for this week. Uh, you can hear this program at 3 o'clock every Friday and, again, rebroadcasted at 5 p.m. on Saturday on KDXI 100.3 FM, as well as you can look up on our if you go to RadioStGeorge.com, that's our new website, and it'll have everything available for you. Just have to punch a button for whether it be Facebook or Twitter or our podcast with Podbean. Everything is there, believe it or not. And you can even go back and take a look at the previous time these two gentlemen were with us and then add it on to the today's show. So uh, everything's there now for you. Uh, and once again, thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, on behalf of everybody here at KDXI Studios, please have a safe and enjoyable day. Goodbye now.